episode 110 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawan, and joining me tonight is my other co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, we are recording on the eve of All Hallows' Eve, so happy Halloween to you. Yes, and same to you. Thank you. Any any plans for celebrating the holiday tomorrow? Uh, probably I'll hit the gym and then I'll watch Halloween. That's what I usually do. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. See, I'm kind of torn because my challenge here, Mm -hmm. um, I've only watched new to me movies, like films I haven't seen previously. Yeah. And so I'm not sure if I want to kind of, if I want to break that tomorrow and watch Halloween or Trick or Treat or watch something new. I'm just not sure. I'm thinking I'll probably just watch something new just because I've done it all month. So I might as well keep with it, but- it is a shame that I won't be watching Trick or Treat or Halloween before them, the holiday, but whatever. Did you do anything special for Halloween weekend? Uh, I did as little as you could possibly do. Like, <laughs> I okay. sat at home and did nothing. I was just not feeling well after my, my uh, parents were down. We went to dinner on Saturday evening. Yeah. And then I just felt like shit after that. And Sunday, I didn't feel well at all. And so I just lounged around and watched uh, some old wrestling and some movies and whatnot. So. Okay. Didn't do anything. How about you? I know you got drunk on Saturday. Yes, I did. Um, (laughs) I went to the Acclaim Pro Wrestling Show. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's at at this Polish Legion. So, they sell big Polish beers for only $5. So, yeah, uh, $20 in and I am flying like a kite. (laughs) Now, it was Halloween themed. So, a lot of people dressed up. Okay. I'm not a big dresser upper just because I don't want to spend all this cash on a costume that I'll only wear once. Right. Um, it's maybe a little bah humbug for the season because everybody else is dressed up, but I just yeah. don't. I've never been a big dresser upper, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, here. yeah. So, they were announcing that there was a, a costume contest and that a imp- representative from Impact Wrestling was going to be there. Oh, no shit. So, that got me very excited because Rosemary used to wrestle for a claim before she went to Impact and she was okay. a tag champ. And her ex-tag team partner was wrestling for the women's championship at this, at this event. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm betting my life that mm-hmm. Rosemary's gonna be there. I want a picture with her so bad because I think she's so cool. <laughs> so I uh I get my beard trimmed, I get a haircut, I gotta look good, you know. <laughs> And That's right. I, I hear her laughing in the background. Is everything okay out there? <laughs> cool? Okay. So, uh, me and my buddy Tony, we go to the show, and he's a big fan of her as well. And those who don't know her, uh, she is the demon assassin in uh, TNA. She okay. started a faction, I guess more of a tag team called Decay, about a year and a half ago. Now she's, you know, tag team's done. She's on her own. And uh, she's kicking ass. She was the TNA uh, champion for the longest time. And uh, she recently lost her belt when they merged with uh, Global Force Wrestling. Anyways, so I was sure that she was going to be there. So women's match happens. No run-in, no nothing, you know. Mm. And then, like, okay, we have somebody from Impact Championship Wrestling. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. You know, I'm <laughs> putting my Polish beers down on the ground. I'm, like, ready to cheer. Yeah. And... No offense to the guy, but it was just a representative from Impact Championship Wrestling. Um, I guess just a office guy. A uh, legitimate representative. Yeah. I love it. Like, when you tell me oh. a representative of a wrestling league is going to be there, I'm expecting a wrestler representing their brand is going to be there. But this right. was – he could be a, a high-up guy 
in Impact. I, I honestly don't know. And unfortunately, I don't remember his name. He seemed very nice. Uh, but yeah, so Rosemary was not there. I still look good in the haircut and the beard trim. Uh, <laughs> but I was pretty bummed because like my goal, because the uh, Bound for Glory pay-per-view is happening uh, this weekend on the 5th of November. Uh, and uh, Rosemary is going to be there. And my goal is to get a picture with her. I'm hoping there's some meet and greets, like, you know, before the show, after the show, something. And then they're also yeah. taping a week worth of TV taping. So I am going to the Monday night oh, tapings okay. as well. So maybe there'll be a little something. Um, but I also want a picture with Abyss just because it's Abyss. You know? Hell yeah. yeah. Anyways, so I was a little disappointed that uh, Rosemary wasn't there, even though there was no indication whatsoever apart than my comprehension skills and my fertile imagination would think that <laughs> Rosemary was going to be there. Never did they ever say that she was going to be there, but I just tried to do some math between the lines and obviously right. it did not add up. So that's funny yeah. as hell. That said, the uh, acclaim show was fantastic. It was sold out. Um, always a good time. So I'm glad I went to that. So then I got the two uh, impact events so far uh, next week. And then in a few weeks after that, there's a big C4 10th anniversary uh, weekend where there's two nights of back to back wrestling. Okay. I'm very excited. So far, they've announced uh, for wrestlers that I've never seen uh, live before. Um, a guy called, I think it was Halloweeny from Shikara, which I'm not familiar with. And then another guy called Dick Justice. He's this big fat cop from like the Southern States, which <laughs> I've seen before, but I've never seen like live before. So I'm kind of excited for that. It's going to be a good weekend of wrestling. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that was my weekend. And now I'm back to work. Sober as a, I guess, cool as a cucumber. A cucumber? <laughs> a cucumber. <laughs> I've apparently lost oh. my... Uh, my uh my speech um so let's do a podcast yeah oh, let's yes talk. but uh, yeah that was my weekend cool very good yeah a lot more exciting than mine so good for you yeah but, yeah so tonight we are going to discuss the sixth film in our corman poe cycle with the haunted palace from 1963 and then move on to round 40 of the best in the backlog challenge discussing uh not cairo uh instead <laughs> what was the one i picked for you yeah so my cairo disc which actually i popped the disc open or at least my case, and I, I looked at the disc, and the actual like label is etched in the DVD, which I thought was really cool. So it looked oh, almost holographic. But yeah. it's a Region Three, uh, yeah, Region Three DVD. Won't play in my Blu-ray or my Blu-ray players. So instead of Cairo, um, again, due to my drunken shopping at Wasteland, this is the reason why I own this film. <laughs> Easter <laughs> Casket from I think Easter Casket, yeah, from 2013. A Dustin Mills production. Good. I'm excited to hear about that later on the show, and I will be talking a little bit about Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings. Yes. Yes. Before though, that, though, let's talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to the show. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at one three zero two four four eight talk. That's one three zero two four four eight eight two five five. Also, like I mentioned, make sure you're following along on our Instagram account because Mark posts tons of shit there, and it's awesome. So make sure you follow along if you haven't. Yeah. Today, for example, Mark posted an awesome uh, poster that you got, which looked really badass. And now I'm following the artist on Instagram, oh, and her awesome. art looks phenomenal. Yeah, he's really cool. Um, yeah, it's a it's a Seasons of the Witch poster from Halloween 3. And like I mentioned in my post, like the pictures I, I took, 
don't do justice. I'm trying not to get my reflection in the in the picture. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's on this glossy stock, and it's got these mes- metallic. It, it's it's got these sparkles in the paint, and the way that the the sunlight reflects against the poster is freaking phenomenal. So again, That's I awesome. don't do it justice. Um, I don't know if he has any left for sale. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, give him a follow, the Kelly Forbes on Instagram, and uh, cool guy, cool art. I dig his stuff. Very cool. Yes, and you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash cinefessions, and check out our long list of past reviews and all 110 podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com. And like I mentioned, if you haven't already, make sure you're following along on our YouTube page. I'd like to post stuff there every once in a while. So give that a subscribe if you haven't. And Mark. Yes? I am super fucking excited to announce this next bit of news here. And I know you are too because we already talked about it. But (laughs) our dear listeners, Mm. it has finally happened. Mm. After 109 Ah. episodes on iTunes, thanks to our awesome listeners – the Cinefessions podcast is finally ranked yes. on iTunes. So even better than just being ranked, though, we're rocking a perfect five-star rating, and we just genuinely couldn't be more thrilled. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I speak for all of us here when I say, with all my heart, thank you guys so much for leaving those reviews. This is just another step toward bigger and better things for the show. Uh, and and the only way we continue to improve and potentially bring you even more content is, is by continuing our slow ascent up those podcasting ranks. And the most important ladder to climb is definitely those iTunes charts. So again, thank you to everyone who has given us reviews so far. Um, and, you know, I know there are a ton of you that listen that have not done that yet. So as we do every week, we're going to ask you again, please take the time, leave us a review on iTunes with the new iPhone podcast app. It's easy. Uh, it's super easy. It's easy as pulling up the show and clicking on that fifth star. You don't even have to write anything anymore, which is really nice. But if you have the time, we'd love to hear what you have to say to help us improve, uh, you know, for the future shows. But once again, seriously, you guys are great. So, you know, this is such a, an important milestone um, in the show's history. So we're just really glad that you guys helped us get here. Um, it feels great seeing that rating. And we hope to get even more reviews as uh, as we continue on here. Yeah, so. we're ranked and we're going for the belt now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I see you, Joe Rogan, on the top of that <laughs> podcast mountain. You just Joe went to the fishes. It's coming for you. That's right. <laughs> Fucking underdog, baby. We'll be Brian Daniels. Get the people chanting yes. Yes. In the world over. And, and, as, and as we've been saying, just as importantly, if you do like the show, tell a friend about us. The more people that know we exist, the more people that can try us out and hopefully they become interested in, in what we have to say as well and want to tune in every week just as you do. So, you know, we thank you guys so much for the support, whether it's by leaving us a review, by telling a friend or better yet, doing both. So thank mm. you guys. All right, Mark. So I know we talked not not too terribly long ago and uh, we did kind of break down your weekend, but uh, what else you've been doing in the, in the world of media and otherwise? Honestly, I haven't had the chance to do too, too much. Um, yeah. So I mentioned last time I okay so I'm halfway through season 1 of uh of uh, Hemlock Grove. I think I watched one or two new episodes since the last podcast. Okay. I'm still getting that Twin Peaks vibe, but that's cool. I'm I'm starting to dig it a, bit, a little more now. Oh, good. Um, you know, uh so there's that. Um I also I don't recall if I said it or not, but I start I started season 2 of Luther. On the, the BBS. I don't remember you saying that, but okay. I didn't. Okay, cool. So I started season two of Luther. <laughs> um, for some reason, like, it's a BBC uh, show. 
and it won't let you download uh, like most Netflix shows. So I'm watching that when I can, when I have time to actually sit and enjoy the show. I don't like watching shows when I'm distracted. I like to yeah. get my full focus on it. So I'm kind of slow in watching uh, that season, not because it's not good, just I need the quality time to watch it. And uh, last night, me and Melissa started the uh, season two of Stranger Things. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So we're two episodes into that. Uh, it's only oh. nine episodes this year. Um, oh, okay. It was, it was eight last year. So I guess we're getting a bonus one this year. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to binge too much on it because I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And not that if you watch it all one night, you won't enjoy it. But um, I'm okay with taking bites as pieces as my work week progresses, right? So. So, yeah, so that's honestly, that's pretty much it for me, apart from doing podcast homework for uh, this episode, just because we've recorded uh, these episodes uh, within a few days of each other. Um, I haven't had too much to, time to spread my wings and fly in the media sun. So, right. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Excellent. Well, yeah. So, uh, actually, you know, I've just, I spent a lot of time with the WWE network um, watching through some old pay per views. Um, just for the hell of it, really. I watched like the first three or four Halloween Havocs, yes. uh, which are, you know, generally mixed bag when it comes like old WCW was just not a very good company, except for like two years, you know, like when it was dominating the Monday Night Wars, that's pretty much it. Like that's when I enjoyed it. But otherwise, like going back and watching some of the old pay-per-views, I, it's just not the style that I like watching as much. There's usually one or two good matches exactly. and involving cruiserweights. Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah, especially when you get toward, you know, the late 90s. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> you know what? Not to cut you off. No. I was doing some uh, movie inventory mm-hmm. so I can update some lists of mine. Yeah. And in the background, I had uh, WCW Uncensored 2000. Okay. It's fucking horrendous. Like I, I feel like I've watched I, – which one – do you remember any like notable which, matches? Well, the match that really broke the camel's back is Brian Nobbs was facing all three members of three count in a hardcore match. And for him to either keep or to retain or to win the hardcore belt, he had to pin all three guys. Oh, jeez. Brian Nobbs pinned all three members of three count. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? That's ridiculous. Garbage booking. Garbage like, booking. Yeah, 2000. So that's right before it dies. Like that's when yeah, right like Halloween ha- – I watched Halloween Havoc 2000 also. Oh. And it's just like <laughs> – Booking by the seat of their pants, man. Like it's just, yeah. uh, what's uh, like, what's the fucking word I'm thinking? Uh, unorganized and just like uh, weird. Like all of a sudden, every match became like a hardcore match with no rules. Like yeah. the main event was supposed to be Goldberg versus Chronic, the two members of Chronic. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't advertised at all all night. And then all of a sudden, when it happens, he all of a sudden has to pin both members. So it's an elimination match. Like, just like what? Are you, what's going on here? Like, it's just this is just so poorly run at this point. It's so clear why they died yeah. so shortly after that. Like, it's yeah, insane. Listen, they had one match in WWE against Taker and Kane. And that was the last we saw them. That's how bad. Of Chronic, yeah. Yeah. Chronic (laughs) was the shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. So, most of my time, though, I've been watching, like, the Monday Night Wars. So, Mm -hmm. that which is, like, an 11-episode series detailing, like, the most important aspects of the battle between WWE and WCW. Um, And that's been a lot of fun. I... So after you get past like the, maybe the first two episodes, which are kind of like general, this is what happened. This is what's going on. Then they become detailed. Like there's an episode on Mick Foley, an episode on Steve Austin, an episode on DX. Um, and I just watched an episode on Goldberg, um, an episode on the cruiserweights. 
Uh, uh, next up is an episode on Jericho. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I've only got like maybe two or three, maybe three or four episodes left. And so I'm getting close to the end, but um, it's interesting because, you know, that's, that's when I don't get me wrong. I watched wrestling before that because my uncles were obsessed with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching WrestleMania one on VHS that my uncle yeah. owned like all the time. Like I just watched it a lot. And so because they were always into it, just like they were always into the Dallas Cowboys, which is why I'm now a Dallas Cowboy <laughs> fan along with the Lions. But so a lot of their things just, you know, rubbed off on me. But when I started watching it on my own was really during the Attitude Era, you yeah. know, and um, I was obsessed with that. I remember telling people that like wrestling was my religion, like at, at, as, that just is such a stupid thing for like a 12, 13 year old to say, <laughs> but I totally did it, you know, like actually, no, I was younger than that. It had to be, well, no, probably uh, somewhere between like 11 and 12 is when I really started getting into it. But um, yeah, so watching this again is just cool because, you know, you see so much about the Attitude Era and frankly, I was kind of getting sick of it. Um, just cause it was such an overkill because WWE has been doing so poorly recently. So they're trying to, you know, harken back mm-hmm. to that over the past few years. But this one is actually, it's really well done. Um, it's, and it's really interesting when they dive into these specific details yeah, of it. That's, I think the best show they produced for the network. You yeah. know, it's hard to like okay. that came out right when the network came out and, uh, it's hard yeah. to, to beat something like that. Like. That was like, I right. think that's the pinnacle of their programming. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I haven't watched a ton of their like original programming. I usually am only watching the pay-per-views, but a lot of it is bad. Yeah. Oh, Some you know what I good. watched? Breaking Ground is really good. Yeah, I need to see. I've never watched an episode of that, but I remember you talking about saying it was really good. Mm-hmm. But you know what I watched was the pay-per-view that you went to. Back, oh, uh, way back in your way. house four? Yes. Oh. And it was shit. It was shit. Oh, so shit. Yeah, bad, bad pay-per-view. <laughs> Yeah, Bad I, I hope paper you paper. like Razor Ramon and like, X-Pac because you'll see him a lot. I know. Yeah, it was, I know. Razor Ramon fought twice. And yeah. like, like why, why is he coming back out? What's happening? Which reminds me of Halloween Havoc 2000 where fucking um, uh, Natural Born Thrillers came out to like interfere in the first match, then stayed out there and then came back for the second match like minutes later. I don't, it was so fucking weird. Yeah. But, so I watched but, that one because you went to it. I actually watched the Survivor Series recently because my my buddy went to it. You could okay. pick him out behind JR and the King. Uh, oh, it was cool. one Survivor Series in Detroit. Uh, man, I can't remember what year it was now. But yeah, so that was that one was actually pretty decent because I think that was during the Attitude Era. But, okay. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But anyway, yeah. So I, I've also – I've been trying to go through like all the WrestleManias and uh, I stopped for a long time, but I started watching it again. So I finished 23 and I watched 24 and I'm like halfway through 25. And I got to say 24 is a really good WrestleMania. Actually, I've actually never seen it before and it's excellent. It's the one that has Flair's retirement match against Shawn Michaels, oh, which yeah. is just a fantastic and so emotional. Like Ric Flair's almost like he's trying to hold back tears on his entrance. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he he tells him, you know, come on, come on. He's like, you can see him crying. And then the second he gets pinned, him and Brett are just, like, in tears. Like, it's – or Sean, rather, yeah. are in tears. Like, it's amazing. Uh, it's just so awesome. Yeah, nice. And then CM Punk, you know, with his first Money in the Bank win. Um, Taker and Edge fighting for the World Championship title in the main event, mm-hmm. which just looked awesome because it's outdoors. Yeah. It was in um, Orlando, maybe? Florida. Yeah, I think so. I don't know exactly where, but I think it was in Florida. And – um the like set they have behind him just like all these flames coming off it. I just looks really cool. And that's the one at the end is like the fireworks that they show mm-hmm. over the building. And so that and that shot is in like the beginning of every um event because it's like the yeah, every opener. Then, now forever thing. Yeah. yeah. 
and it's in there. And I was always wondering what show that was from. And now I know it was from the end of WrestleMania 24. But, um, you know, triple uh, triple threat match, Orton, Triple H, John Cena fighting for the WWE. T- I mean, it's just really, really good. And a surprise finish with uh, Orton or, yeah, Orton actually beating Triple H and Cena, which, and this was fucking nine years ago. So, I mean, you didn't, I didn't, wouldn't have expected that at that point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a, that's a really strong WrestleMania. So I'm really happy I, you know, am continuing through that. But um, yeah, so movie wise, I did watch more movies. So okay. I'm like really excited about myself or for myself because <laughs> I did really well this, this October. So obviously when we started this, you know, my goal was just to do 31 in 31. And as I mentioned, I, in no way, shape or form did I expect to watch a horror movie, you know, every day throughout the challenge. I just wanted to do 30, eventually get 31. Yeah. Well, I have came home for lunch today because today's going to be a pain because we're actually doing a double thing tonight. So uh, I started a movie at lunch, came home, watched it in between when we um, like when I got home and like the 15 minutes before we had to start recording tonight. Then I'm going to so I have time to finish it by the time we're done with everything this evening. So I will have one tonight, which will actually be my 49th movie for the month. Holy shit. Yep. And then tomorrow will be my 50th, which is the most prolific month I've had since June of 2012 for the inaugural Cinefession Summer Screams Challenge, which also combined sci-fi. So this is definitely the most horror I've ever watched in one month, and it's yeah. been fucking nuts. So I love it. Yes. Any nightmares? No. Oh. Not that I remember, at well, least. No. <laughs> yeah, That exactly. means you're dead inside. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. 100%. No doubt. Yep. Um, so I finished the Children of the Corn series. I watched the entire fucking series. <laughs> I'm and Mark, sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, what? wrong. What? I got to tell you, uh-huh. I enjoyed almost all of it. Like, they are not great movies by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll be damned if I wasn't entertained the entire time, excluding mm. the two. And I feel like this is probably why people shit on this series so much. Okay. Because there hasn't been a good movie in 11 years. So, I'll, okay, so the, the series initially ended at uh, the seventh film, which was Revelation. And that came out in 2001. Okay. Pretty good movie. Didn't really feel like a Children of the, of the Corn film at all. Mm-hmm. But it tied in enough things to it. It actually, you know, had some, you know, corn and whatnot. Okay. And so it tied in enough things that made it feel, uh, that, you know, it legitimized it as a Children of the Corn movie. Yeah. And then... After that, there's nothing for, what, eight years, I think? Where's the... Yeah, eight years. 2009 is when the uh, sci-fi made-for-TV remake comes out of Children of the Corn. Have you seen that one? No. No, I haven't. Yeah, don't. It is fucking atrocious. Literally one of the worst films I've seen this year. And I've watched some shit. (laughs) Like, it was horrible. First, it introduces you to these two characters. So, I... Honestly, I was trying to um, watch Revelation and I accidentally put on Children of the Corn remake without realizing it. Or I'm sorry. Yes, that's that's what happened. And I put on the remake ac- accidentally and I'm watching. I'm like, this is like the exact same as the first movie. What's going on? Then I looked up IMDb. And I'm like, oh, you put in, you put on the wrong thing, you dumbass. You clicked the wrong one. So I'm like, okay, that's why. Um, but so you are introduced to these two characters that I – they could not be more unlikable if they were trying. Like it, the woman, the main character, the mm-hmm. woman, like is just th- like, it's like she's spitting acid every time she says a sentence to her husband. 
her husband's not, he's no better. Don't get me any wrong. But like, I don't just, the, the two of them together, I loathed them. And the story, like the best thing about the original Children of the Corn, which I don't like that, that one I don't like the original, yeah. but the best thing about that is the opening kill scene in the diner, which I think is just fucking awesome. And that's what I've seen that before I watched the movie. And I was like, oh my God, I have to see this movie. It's going to be fucking great. And then it turns out to be as boring as hell. But that scene's awesome. Well, the remake, of course, gets rid of that scene. So it doesn't even have the best part of the first one. Instead, it gives you this other shit. And it, like, changes the story so much. Like, there's... It's just so different and just bad on every imaginable level. Mm -hmm. Like, I hated that movie. It was terrible. I gave it 0.5 stars. I gave it half a star out of four. It It was just terrible. So that's shit. And then... Two years later, in 2011, Children of the Corn Genesis comes out, which is actually, it's not a sequel to the remake. It's a sequel to Revelation, as far as I understand. It's part of the original original series. Okay. Not that it matters, because it doesn't tie into the fucking Children of the Corn movies at all, except for the fact that in the very beginning, they tacked on this, sing, this scene that happened like 20 years prior or something, maybe a little bit longer than that, 40 years ago. And there's people that have been killed with like stocks of corn in their eyes and whatnot which is some things you see from the other films. But other than that, and the fact that they mention he who walks behind the rose maybe like a handful of times throughout the movie, it doesn't even tie in. Like, it's it's terrible. Um, like, I don't know. Both of these had of uh, the remake and this one had a little bit of nudity. Okay. Uh, oh, you know what? So did um, Revelation. Revelation probably had the best of the nudity just because it was uh, like there a little bit as opposed to the other two, which they hit it a lot. But yeah. anyway- like, outside of that, like, there's really no reason to watch those two. Like, they are just really, really bad. But I gave that one one star out of four because it was better than the remake from 2009, but it was still, it was just terrible. It was not a good movie. Made very little sense. Yeah. Was not, it, like, they, they only tied it into Children of the Corn because they had to. Like, it was, yeah, it was terrible. Um, but two, three, four, five, six, and seven, I thought were actually well worth your time. Um, I would say, I think, my least favorite was, I want to say five, which I gave like two stars, I think. Or, <laughs> yeah, no, five. I gave one and a half stars for five. Okay. But even that one wasn't horrendous. It just wasn't It wasn't as good as uh, the other ones. Um, I think the acting in five was very decent. Um, that one actually has um, Arquette, the the dead, the one who died recently the of yes. the Arquette family. I can't remember. The, uh, the, the guy from, um, from Pulp Fiction. And uh, singer. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But yeah, so he's in, or she's in that. I'm not sure. I talked to Chris that she went uh, like back and forth between a, a man and a woman, I guess, before she passed. So I'm not sure what sure. he wanted. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm not sure to be respectful. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, they were great in that. But yeah, so I don't know, man. I, give it another shot. If you, if you have them, like you can buy uh, uh, um, the second through the seventh one. On a box set from Amazon, uh, um, on the US Amazon for $5. Yeah, like, I didn't have Revelation. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to um, get it. And I was looking to buy the DVD. It was like 15 bucks or something, 13 bucks. But then to buy the whole set was five bucks. And I was like, oh, well, like, why don't I just buy the whole set? But then I have the whole set again. So I just ended up renting it for like two ninety nine on uh, Amazon instant uh, video. But yeah, so I don't know. I think the the series gets a bad rap, and I would love to have like a good Blu-ray release of it because you pointed out that there were those four on Blu-ray, yeah, uh, which is two, three, four, and five. 
But from what I remember reading about them when they came out was that it was basically the DVD, like um, rip of trans. Yes, yeah. ramp exactly rips put onto a Blu-ray, and so that's not that's not what yeah, we're looking for. Garbage. Yeah, so but yeah, definitely recommend those. Um, you know, if you're up to you know kind of just taking a chance and and ex- not expecting greatness, but something that's better than average and fun to watch. So that's what I you're saying. Taking a about. chance to a guy who's been watching killer rabbit movies. So yeah, I know. Yeah. You're welcome. I, I, I don't know why I haven't watched them already. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so the last two I got to talk about, and I think I think you'll uh, have some opinions here. Okay. But we'll try to keep everything spoiler free. Mm. But I watched last night. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm watching all this wrestling, but I was like, you know, if I fit in two more movies tonight, then I can make 50 by the end of this month. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. So I watched first up was Lights Out. Directed okay. by uh, David Sandberg. Came yeah. out last year. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I saw The Drive-In. Okay. Oh, at the driving, that'd be an interesting yeah, like way last, to see it. Last summer. Okay. Um, I I really liked it. Um, I thought it was creepy as hell. Uh, my I had my phone in my hand. I was doing something, and that, like I was distracted by the movie. So I look up, and something happens. And boom! My phone went flying. Like within minutes. Um, so that one got me. And then like I jumped a lot. Like it was. I thought it was really cool. Um, and the lead actress, good lord, she was gorgeous. Uh, I don't have her name in front of me, so I'm not going to tell you. But man, yeah. I thought she was beautiful. Um, but I thought it was really cool. Like the the boy, the boy actor in it, I thought was excellent. Uh, the mom is a known actress, but I'm forgetting her name. She was really good. Uh, I don't know. I just thought the whole thing was really cool and creepy, and just the atmosphere was was done really well. I really enjoyed it. Oh, um, what good. were your thoughts on that one? I you didn't, didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Okay. You know, I loved the short film. It's three minutes. Mm. It's perfect. Try mm. stretching that in the ninety-minute uh, movie, and I thought the I thought it was very generic. wasn't scary. I liked the idea of it, but I thought the execution mm-hmm. was missing. Um, yeah, I just wasn't a fan. It was very ho hum for me. Okay, that yeah, fair said, enough. I did buy it on Blu-ray <laughs> because yeah. I have a problem. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't the biggest fan. Yeah, Bridget watched it with me, surprisingly, and she was freaking out. So uh, I think she liked it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I was really surprised. It's actually really short. It's only 81 minutes long, which is one of the reasons I put it on because it was so short. <laughs> I was like, wow. Pump up those numbers. That's right. But I, yeah, I was, I'm really glad I finally watched it. And my boss will be very happy to know I watched it. She's not in until Wednesday because she's been raving about this film for the past like three weeks and she keeps telling me to watch it. So Really? Yeah. Uh, she I'm must be a hoot. About it. Yeah, that she is <laughs> but yeah so um and then next up and now this one i know you fucking love okay don't breathe 2016 directed by fetty alvarez oh yeah yes. is that your first time that, watch first time watch okay, yeah i actually own both time. of these i own both of these on voodoo and i bought them like man maybe a year ago now. And I just always forget about them yeah. because everything I have on Voodoo was usually like the free shit I got from when I was working at family video, mm-hmm. I would be able to take the codes home. And so I just have a bunch of shit on there, but I actually did buy these ones and forgot all about them. Like I have this cell, uh, the Stephen King adaptation, uh, one based on the Stephen King yeah. book, uh, like so many different one, cool ones on there. Neon demon. I need mm-hmm. to watch like just random shit. Uh, green room. But anyway, have you seen green room? No, I haven't seen Green Room yet either. Jesus Christ, I know what your backlog challenge is for tonight. <laughs> my God. Yeah, I know. I need to find a way to add those to my list. Yes. Because they're not physical, they're just digital. So I haven't put them into my list, but I need to because I want those to be options too. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought this was just fucking great. Um, so 
first, it's just like incredibly tense. Like you mentioned, it's very edge of your seat. Like y- you find yourself holding your breath. Um, it's the, the, the sound design on it is just fucking brilliant. And it, it's, it's brilliant because it, which is ridiculous because most like what makes it brilliant is how it uses its silence. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that takes guts to have silence. You know what I mean? Like, no. and it does it so well. Um, the the blind man I thought was just fantastic. Um, I liked. I don't. I doubt. I don't know if he was really blind or not. But like the way his eyes looked, it looked so genuine. He very well could be that's, blind. I don't that's know. That's Stephen Lang from Avatar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. But um, so like, and what I love about it also is it it definitely has this like moral dilemma in there mm-hmm. that really really kind of plays itself out toward the end. And it's just like the result of it, the choice they make and everything. It's just, oh, it's so awesome. The only thing, it, the only reason it didn't get four stars for me okay. were the bits with the dog. I thought that got a little much, especially toward the end, which again, I don't want to talk about yeah. any spoilers or anything, but um, like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about toward the I, end, I, right? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, I just, that seemed a little much to me and mm-hmm. I felt like Cujo for a little bit there, which I didn't like but yeah um yes but other than that i thought it was really cool and i love the fact that and i think there is a sequel announced for it isn't there Ooh, or am i, I think it lights out am i no, i think it's don't breathe i think that's the one that had to don't breathe honest, two listed i try to stay but, away from any horror movie news because yeah i think yeah. it's the least i know about any project at best if i don't right. even know your project exists it's eventually <laughs> going to come across my screen you know i'm eventually yeah. going to notice it the, but oh, I try not to seek any of that stuff. No, I'm with you. The only reason I th- I know of it because when I typed it in on Letterbox to add it to my list, "Don't Breathe" two popped up, but it didn't have a really? year. Ooh. That's what I'm thinking. It's not um like, and when I, it's not like you know have a date or anything like that. So maybe it's not even yeah. in filming yet. Who knows? But but like, I, honestly, and I also love the fact that it took place in Detroit. Like I was able to you know <laughs> Google Maps where it was, and it's very genuine to how shitty it looks there. But, That's my house. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, again, without going to spoilers, yeah. it had the most like if I could have the third act, like rise from my chair and start clapping in appreciation. <laughs> I f- yeah, freaking love that third act. Oh my, I my jaw. If yeah. I was holding popcorn, it would have fallen on the floor. <laughs> you know, like I was like, holy fuck, am I seeing what I'm seeing? This is freaking fantastic. Loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just just such a good fucking movie. Yeah. Definitely seek that out if you've not if you've not seen it. Um, and I I would suggest both Lights Out and Don't Breathe. Uh, but your mileage may vary a little more with Lights Out. Yeah. But again, Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake, like he yes. is solid man. Like I dig yeah, his work. Great, absolutely. I, and uh, oh, what I forget what her name is. Is it Ashley Levi? Is it? Uh, for a, the main actress, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure offhand. Uh, Jane Levy, she oh, okay. I I dig her so much. I think she's a great yeah, she horror actress. Um, I don't know if she considers herself a scream queen. I think she does horror and thrillers very well. Um, mm-hmm. I I I look forward every time I see her on screen. Like she's in that movie. Um, uh, what's his name? Shit, it's that uh, film. With Elijah Wood that I really loved off Netflix. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Oh, she has a okay. In there, and I was, I was I got excited. I'm like, great, because I know I'm gonna get a good performance because I think she just rocks. 
Yeah, she was excellent. Um, and I really liked uh, the guy, the the male lead next that was next to her. I, I don't know his name, but he's very super familiar. Like I've seen him in other films before, but I thought he was really well. He he was it was very well acted. Yeah, right I know who well. you're talking about. Uh, I don't have his name right in front of me here, but uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but he was great. Yeah, so yeah, and that is my week. So uh, the movie I'm I'm in the process of watching is Among Friends which is one that I've been meaning to watch forever because it's actually directed by my favorite girl, Danielle oh. Harris. Um, and so I'm watching that one now. And then I'm not sure what I'm going to watch tomorrow to uh, do number 50, but I will definitely let you yeah. guys know. So awesome. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's uh, that for that part. Let's move over to our review for the week. So tonight we will be talking about 1963's The Haunted Palace. And as always... There will be spoilers for The Haunted Palace, so keep that in mind moving forward. All right, The Haunted Palace had an original U.S. theatrical release date of August 28th, 1963 in Cincinnati, Ohio, of all places. That's where the (laughs) premiere was. It, of course, is directed by Roger Corman, written not by Charles Matheson, but by Charles Beaumont. Did I say Charles Matheson? I don't know. No, no, you said Okay. I think it's Richard. Yeah. So written by Charles Beaumont, based on the poem by Edgar Allan Poe, which is actually bullshit. It's just based on the title of the poem by Edgar Allan Poe. It's actually based on the story called The Case of Charles Dexter Ward by H.P. Lovecraft. It's actually a short novel. Yes. It has an IMDb score of 6.8 out of the 4,586 current votes. It does not have a Metacritic score, but it has a 92% tomato meter score and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 64%. I could not find the budget for this film, but it did have a gross of $1.2 million. And it clocks in at 87 minutes. Mark, what is your history with this one? Have you seen this one at all before? Uh, No, uh, this was my first watch. Me as well. And this one, um, of course, is available on the Vincent Price Collection Volume one from uh, Scream Factory. I don't think it's called that. It's just the first one. Yeah, but the expensive one. Yes, exa- I know, man. Like <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, shit, I didn't realize this shit was so expensive. I'm so glad I own the, it. Uh, you snooze, you lose edition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. I still got to get the third one, but it's the third one just doesn't like intrigue me as much as the first two do. But I'll be honest, I only got the third one just to get just the whole to have series. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will watch me eventually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, how can I get the first two, not the third? Right. Exactly right. All right. So right from the the start, I couldn't help but think that they must have wasted a ton of film to get this opening credit sequence shot with that big ass spider and he's weaving the web and everything. And then like the butterfly flies in and I just like, wow, that's weird. And significantly different than anything we've seen so far. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, this is the first really creepy start of the film. Yeah. You know, uh, the prior ones were more fantastical, I guess, in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. And this one seems like it's a a darker horror film. Right. Absolutely. And it, and it absolutely is, too. And it really, it, make, it, like, it nerves you a bit. Like, I don't like spiders to begin with. Yeah, But, exactly. you know, if you're expecting a, a like, again, you know, Corman did two comedies prior to this. So think of his comedies as like a PG-13. This right. is kind of like his hard R film. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, the tone is a lot different. Yeah. And 
we start in a tavern instead of a house or a, a mansion, a castle, if you will. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. It's like, we're, it's like we're in a whole new arc here on the podcast. Holy shit. Yeah, it's like we're turning a new I leaf. Like, exactly. Um, I love the use of fog in this opening sequence, like through the city, following, um, following the girl from the city all the way to the graveyard. Um, I thought it just really worked to give it that creepy atmosphere that it was it was clearly shooting for, and I thought that worked well. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're right, and just just the fact that uh, you know she she's walking alone, you know, in the fog to yep. this big castle, right. like, and then go ahead. Once she gets to the castle, yeah, that music that plays when Price is introduced, uh, Kerwin, right? When Kerwin yes. is introduced, Joseph Kerwin. I- the uh, I mean, that music just makes it feel instantly like okay, R- Vincent Price is playing something a little more deviant now than he has in the oh, past. Yeah, and I was this hooked. is his first like villain role, you know, right? Yeah, films he's you know, he's troubled and his madness turns him to do evil deeds. Mm-hmm. This is like the first film where like he is the villain, he is the bad guy, right? There's no good within him, and he does it really very well. Oh, yeah. I loved the set where um, Kerwin is performing the ritual on the girl. Um, We see that again at the end of the movie. And it's just like those four sets of staircases leading up to the top where she's tied up. um, And the the flame surrounding that he tosses this like whatever, this powdered something onto it that makes the flame go bigger. Yeah. Um, It just looks really fucking cool. Yeah. No, it does. Again, it's it's a... It's a dungeon, but it's a dungeon that's finally in use. Because all his other right, movies, yes. it's all previous, you know, ancestors yeah, that all did the deep web. Yeah. This this yep. thing has like a little dust, but we're using this stuff. Like this stuff is working exactly. working condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so of course then they're going to, you know, kind of break down the door. Not literally, they knock on the door and he comes and answer it, but answers it. But they're going to burn him alive. But what was interesting to me. And was kind of like a, oh, that's why this is happening moment was because, and they don't make mention of it. So clearly it was nothing, but like, I was like, oh, that, I feel like this makes sense. So the reason that I don't have the character's name, like the, whoever the leader of that group was, that guy, the reason he wants, um, uh, Kerwin. Gordon, I think. Okay. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. I believe it's Leo Gordon that was, uh, the lead. Gordon, okay. As uh, Edgar Whedon. Whedon, yeah. Right, okay. So the reason Whedon wants him gone is because he fucking took the girl, the hot assistant, or the hot, I guess it wasn't an assistant, it was like a mistress. Because as soon as he pulls her, pulls, um, they pull Kerwin out, they're like, they're trying to grab the girl. He's like, no, no, leave the girl. She's been hexed. And then he goes, "Um, it's okay, whatever your name is. Like, we'll be back to the way we were. In no time or something. Yeah, was that like, was oh, uh, okay. that was Hester Tillingist, the, the beautiful buxom uh, brunette. With yes, she was very yeah. beautiful. Kathy Merchant. Um, okay, I have never seen her before prior to this. I was no. never noticed. I yeah. noticed her in this one. I right? Yeah, she absolutely. was drop dead gorgeous. She was. Yeah, I wish I wish she would have had more to do. Like she doesn't even have any lines. I don't think. Like, I, I don't think do she anything. actually spoke at all. And yeah, she it, just stands there. And it's kind of funny, like. I felt uh, I felt a few vibes watching this film, and I thought like this initial vibe was very Frankenstein-ish, just because everybody's oh, yeah. going to to the house to 
to kill the monster, you know? Yep. But, Absolutely right. Yeah, with the pitch with the pitchforks. Yeah. But or, it, not, not the fucking torches, rather. Yeah. It, not tiki torches though. <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I thought uh, too. Real torches, torches, like fucking yeah. Victorian era torches. Not Nazi torches. Yeah, exactly. Fuck the Nazi torches. Uh, <laughs> so they're going to to the house to, to kill the Kerwin because he's swiping all the women from the town, which I think is kind of funny. So like unlike Frankenstein, where you know the monster kills a girl by mistake, mm-hmm. they're out to get him because like, hey, dude, you're taking all the pussy, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Yep. Yeah. And, and That's thing, very true. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, you're right? absolutely right. You know, it's kind of funny because it's it's yeah. it's all dudes, right? And right. another vibe I got is that Leo Gordon uh, actor uh, playing uh, Edgar and Ezra Whedon, mm-hmm. he felt the, the way he did his lines um, he reminded me a lot of um, oh shit, now I forgot his name. Uh, give me a second here. Oh god damn it! You, don't you hate that when you have I know something to say and then you can't fucking say it? <laughs> give me two <laughs> seconds here. Oh, he made, he reminded me of Robert Shaw in Jaws. As Quint, oh. just with his delivery and his bravado, I thought oh, that was very similar. Yeah, it fucking could have been like a young Robert Shaw. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, like- oh. He kind of looked like, he had that look about well, him, just his- Manly man, you know, like the guy's a fucking yeah. burly dude, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. people listen when he oh. talks, so he has a way of speaking. And I just felt with his cadence and just the way he looked, um, he reminded me of Quint from Jaws. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't get that initially, but I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. That's interesting. It just hit me while I was Very watching. Cool. Yeah, definitely. So from here, after he's burned alive, which I thought was pretty gruesome. I mean, not that like what we saw was gruesome, but just the idea of it was gruesome. Yeah. Um, then we jump 110 years into the future and we end up in Arkham. And so this was is what I was wondering. And I, I meant to look it up and forgot. Maybe you know. Yep. Did they get the 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 name Arkham Asylum from the H.P. Lovecraft book? Yeah, yeah. Arkham okay. is a fictional town, and that's I love and, that. And this is probably a reason why this film has such a different vibe. It doesn't mm-hmm. have that. It doesn't feel like a pole film. It feels like a Lovecraft story, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Especially then, start calling they start. Um, you know, they mention Cthulhu, and from mm-hmm. what I understood with the commentary track I listened to. It's the first time that the Cthulhu and the Elder Gods were ever mentioned on film. Oh, Which that's interesting. I found very interesting. But yeah, that's fascinating. I, huh. I think one of the reasons why this film hit me differently than the others is just that I find Lovecraft scarier than Poe. You know, mm-hmm. Poe is all about his inner torment, and Lovecraft right, is about exactly. you know cosmic horror, and that's a hell of a lot yeah. scarier. So. Yeah, it, it was a cool vibe. Uh, it's it's really sad that they had to put Poe's name on this because this is not a Poe story. Uh, not and this is something yeah. else I was thinking about. You know, let's say that I was in high school and we were doing Edgar Allan Poe in English class mm-hmm. and decided to watch the <laughs> movies instead. Right. Man, that's two <laughs> in a row I'd be getting because I had nothing exactly. to do with this work. That's so funny. You know, like oh, for The Haunted man. Palace. Uh, at the beginning of the film, they do the first four lines of the poem, and at the end, they do the f- at last four lines. But that is yeah. it. The rest of it yeah. is based on a Lovecraft story, and then some. So, <laughs> having Bro, Poe's name, it's, it's, so it's a bit of a, a bait and switch, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they probably just had to do it because he, you know, they were in the middle of these 
Poe films that were making so much money. Yeah. So they're using Poe's name, but they're using Lovecraft's work. Yep, exactly. But And I thought it was interesting because they say that this is not actually the – most people would think of this as being the first adaptation of uh, the Curious Case of Charles Dexter Ward, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, but it's actually the second because there was a t- – I don't remember which TV series, yeah. but there was a television episode for a certain TV series mm-hmm. that was actually an adaptation of it first. Which was written by Charles Beaumont. Yes. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So I you you heard that as well. Yeah. It's called Terror, maybe or oh, okay. Uh, I could be. I, I honestly don't remember at all. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't write that down. Yeah, but I thought that was really cool to find out. But so okay. So now we get the you know price comes back. Yeah. And I was immediately I was confused because I was like, wait, is this like? the Kerwin or is this somebody new? Like what's going on here? And then it's kind of explained pretty quickly. So that's fine. But, um, I guess I'll just say it now because this was one of my biggest problems with this. Okay. I can understand, like I can, you know, the suspension of disbelief for the fact that, you know, Kerwin's great, great grandson happens to look like a spitting image of him, yeah. but an entire town they ask you to do that for an entire town and that hurt me that that hurt it a lot for me okay when they when they made that revelation okay i think again casting issues and just you know like it's you skip two three generations there might be resemblances Mm -hmm. that really didn't bug me so much just because i kind of like the actors they had in the beginning to begin with yeah Um, again uh the uh the actor uh, Leo Gordon was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. The doctor Frank Maxwell, which you didn't see him too much at first, in, you know, right. hundred ten years in the past, exactly. But he was pretty prominent in the eighteen hundred, uh, you know, scenes, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of liked him. Like, I, actually, yeah. I, I dug his character. I thought he was uh, he was a man of reason in a town mm-hmm. that's going kind of insane, you know. Exactly. So I liked to deliver it all. So so while you know it's highly unlikely that. The descendants will be splitting images of their great great grandfathers or ancestors. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the cast was pretty sweet, so I was okay seeing more of them. And I, you know, it's one thing to go if you were if you're willing to go with that uh, that aspect. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that got me was the fact that these people, the way they acted, honestly, it it took me like over half the film to really understand that these were different people. And it's that conversation they have in the bar because I thought that he placed the curse on the town and everyone was just like stayed the age they were and had to deal with these like fucked up mutations that they were going to deal with the rest of their life and yada, yada. And I was in a hundred percent for that. I loved it. But then you find out that they are different people and it's like, wait, why, why are they this upset about this person who, one, they've only seen a picture, a painting of this person previously. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any personal connection with this person. And they don't – and, like, they have these mutated children that they think had to do with this guy. But it's like, would everybody in town have the exact same reaction that their great-great-grandfather had 110 years prior? That That part really hurt it for me. I thought – it would have been a much stronger choice to make it just the town was cursed and he made him not die. Basically, they had to stick around and live in this hell that is Arkham for these hundred and some odd years. That's an interesting uh, point of view. I kind of like yeah. that idea. 
Um, but I think these guys are obsessed with Kerwin because he placed a curse on the town and gave all their kids deformities and whatnot. And now they have to live with these deformities. So uh, Charles Dexter Ward now coming to town, who is the ancestor of Joseph Kerwin and a splitting image, um, that I think, you know, would uh, cause uh, everybody to panic again because they don't want any more uh, heartache to, to fall upon the town. And maybe by killing this guy, it might break the curse. I don't know. I'm not a simple villager. Yeah. But. Uh, right. <laughs> and how are they seeing this guy's picture? I mean, his picture's up in their, in the palace, which is clearly, you know, guarded, if you will, by the groundskeeper, by uh, Lon Chaney. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they even seeing this picture? Well, uh, you know, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here. Um, well, first of all, Rosemary's on this movie. So I, I, I suck at that. Uh, but. Uh, I think it's because, like, it's 110 years. The city, the town's been cursed for 110 years. People know about this guy, you know. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I think because they've they've suffered through 100 years of curses that they're yeah. pretty familiar who placed a curse on them, you know. Like, it probably mm-hmm. happened, put in, well, it was in the paper that, you know, or I guess if there's a paper in the 1600s, but, you know, news spread that they burnt <laughs> this guy. And now this, the town's cursed. So they knew who they burnt. Like, I, I'm just, I'm pretty sure that they just, they just know because, you know, generation, 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 um, they have them in mind because all their kids are all, you know, uh, malformed and, and, you know, no eyes. And even, um, uh, Edgar or I guess Ezra Whedon's character, or probably that'd be Edgar Reason, um, like he's got a monster for a, an offspring, you know, living in the attic. You know? Right. Um, so yeah. I, I think the memory of the warlock rem- remains pretty close to their hearts over the course of the of the curse. So, but that's just my yeah. opinion. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved. So they get to the village, and she says, "Look, the Burning Man. Isn't that quaint?" I was like, "Damn, <laughs> that's pretty fucked up." Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> oh man. So. I loved the creepy, like, the little girl who we see first. Yeah. um, With, like, the skin over the eye. Like, it just reminded me of, like, a creature we'd see from Silent Hill Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, that was just genuinely fucking creepy. And they are introduced more people like that, more mutated people like that as it goes on. And I thought that was awesome, the way they did that. Yeah, well, the appliances look pretty bad. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Again, yeah. but we're watching this like, you know, 1080p Blu-ray, which wasn't part of the, you exactly. know, I bet back in the day, right. you could kind of, you know, muddle the mm-hmm. the, uh, the edging of the appliances on the face. But this, right. you're right. This is what I liked about this because it's getting into this Lovecraft horror without really knowing it's Lovecraft yet, you know, uh, because they haven't exactly. even mentioned anything. But something seems really odd and supernatural. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it, that really, it surprised me because I was kind of, you know. I didn't expect that kind of uh, body deformity to show up in a pole film, <laughs> um, but uh, I like the way they went with the, with the art direction on it. Absolutely, it was it was very well done. Speaking of like that kind of that same idea, like the Kerwin Palace, I thought looked fantastic. Like it's just badass looking. It's it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's open. I just it's uh, stark. 
Like, it's really cool. I really like the uh, the design on and that. And it should be because it's probably the fifth film they use the same set on and keep adding yes, to it. Right. So, yep, exactly. So th- this this haunted castle is going to look more and more appealing as <laughs> these movies go on in this cycle. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Simon appeared out of nowhere as they're walking through the house. And that was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, it, I didn't jump, I guess, but it was still pretty just creepy. Um, yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. showing up as Simon. I was like, oh, damn, where the hell did you come from? I didn't expect that yeah. at all. Oh, Very awesome. And that's the other thing. So, yeah. okay. And that's the other reason I thought the, the, the villagers were just kind of trapped there. Uh, as the who they were 110 years prior. So okay. Simon is the same Simon from 110 years ago, and the friend, which I can't, I never got the friend's name. Yeah, neither did I. But those those two were there from 110 years ago. Like, how are they there? But nobody else is there. Like, I didn't understand that. How was that justified? But the others not. You know. Well, again, Joseph probably gave him a spell so that he could be he could prepare for his arrival. Mm-hmm. It just took 110 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- th- that's one thing where I can see where you thought everybody wasn't aging and was just stuck in this, you know, kind of a time yeah. loop, you know? Um, right. But to, to me, like th- this, these were his minions. So they probably have some supernatural powers themselves just because they're on the side of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? they could. I like I, the fact that they looked like almost green, <laughs> like well, their skin tone. Well, that's what I like too. It's gradual, right? Because mm-hmm. you start and he doesn't look green. But as uh, Joseph is taking over Charles's body um, and killing his mind, um, mm-hmm. he get they get greener and greener. Yeah, which I really like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, it's just it goes back to that art direction. This whole thing I think is is really well done. One of the better outings in terms of art direction for the for the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like especially when Hester, the uh, the uh, bountiful babe, in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that was with uh, Joseph. When she turns green, I was like, oh, yeah. Kind of reminds me of a bit of Beetlejuice in a way when he's in the <laughs> waiting uh, in a waiting room, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, but I'm like, awesome. yeah, she looks good in green as well. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that, okay. So then it gets revealed that the I, – I wrote it down as the main villain, but that's not really what he is. It was just um, Whedon's character. You find out that he has a creepy fucking kid too. Yeah. And so that's when it hits me. That must have been the curse. Like he just – he fucked up all the offspring and I really yeah. liked that. That's a really cool curse to put on them. Oh, totally. It just screws up the, the bloodline, you know, kills the exactly. family tree. Yeah. Now, I'm surprised he didn't kill the kid. You know, um, like now he's feeding it raw meat in the yeah. in the in the uh, alcove of the house. I'm like, right. why why didn't he drown the child? <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. it's a monster. Um, exactly. I guess in a way, does he does he love the monster? Like, I I don't know it, because yeah. that we never really go there. But he did exactly. keep it alive. All, yeah. mm-hmm. So I put at this point, I put that I hope that uh, price has that like had that painting up in his home after they got done filming the movie because it was so wonderfully creepy and it just looks like him so well um and i love that it took that it takes over mr ward like i really like that about it but then of course the painting ends up in flames so obviously he didn't take it home yeah. but i thought it was a very cool painting it'd be a very that. cool print to have in the house yes absolutely that's one thing about these these uh films and the post cycles that they have really nice paintings <laughs> you know? Yes, they sure do. I know. There's like four or five out of these that we've seen that I exactly, love. Exactly. Me too. 
So then we get that scene where like the town, the creepy kids in the town or the creepy people in the town are walking toward um, Ward and or the wards, yeah. I guess. And um, then the bell rings and they start walking the opposite direction. I thought that was a really cool scene. And the first word that's spoken in the next scene is nightmarish. And it's just so perfect because that's exactly what it felt like. It just felt like a nightmare situation to be in mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, because you can't explain what's going on. Exactly. Like, Charles is an innocent. He has no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, did you get this? I thought Dr. Willett's voice, I if I closed my eyes, I could have sworn I was watching the original guy from Unsolved Mysteries, whatever you've said his name before, but I always oh, forget totally. it. Totally. Uh, uh, oh, shit. Unsolved Mysteries. Um, yeah. But that, uh, like... I thought he sounded so much like him. I was like, oh George my Stack, God. right? Is it George Stack? Uh, I think that's it, yeah. Robert Stack? Robert, Robert Stack. Stack. That's it. Yep. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. He had that kind of cadence as well in his voice. Yeah. Because yeah. He's, he was very authoritarian, very matter of fact, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly right. But yeah, I like that about it. I thought that was cool. But yeah, I was like, damn, I closed my eyes for a minute. I was like, yeah, that's that's Robert Stack. And and kudos to him for not wanting to uh, you know, wed Anne at all at any point in time. I, exactly. He was, he was a good doctor. I know. How about that? Yeah, I think we're two for five on good doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right. That's funny. Oh man. So then they bring up the Necronomicon, the yeah. Book of the Dead. I really like that. Obviously, that plays a huge, you know, factor in in what happens as the film goes on. But I really like that. I see the book. I want a copy. It's a nice right. looking book, you know. <laughs> exactly. The paper feels kind of funny, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read it out loud. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Oh man. So. And then we learned, so Kerwin was trying to mate, and correct me if I'm wrong, mate the demon spirit with humans to create like this hybrid race. And that's where these mutated children are coming from, right? Like that's the story that the doctor tells us? Something like that. I didn't really catch it that much. I thought he was still trying to open a portal. And that he had a portal open and was feeding these girls as sacrifices so that the the wall between the worlds kind of like they they, uh, weaken. But uh, I think the end goal was to create a, a hybrid. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I, think he ever got to that point, though. Okay, yeah. Because I, I know he I know they mentioned something about, you know, creating this hybrid yeah. race of sorts. But yeah, okay. That makes sense. But I mean, man, this just feels like it goes so much deeper than any of the films that we've had prior to this. And it makes sense because we're not watching a Poe tale. We're watching a Lovecraft tale. So yeah. it's just a different writer. But. It's a lot scary because... In a way, it is about love because uh, Joseph wants to reanimate Hester, mm-hmm. um, but it isn't. It isn't a romantic lo- like he, nobody's. It's not just about pining over someone and not doing anything about it until you get haunted by it. Right. Like it's, it, it goes a completely different direction than all his other films, yeah. and I think that's right. why um, it was such a shock to me when I was mm-hmm. watching it for the first time. Yeah, definitely. So then uh, uh, Charles gets taken over by Kerwin and treats Anne like shit. And I was making of Anne, if I was in Anne's shoes, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Like her husband never treated her like that, at least that we've seen. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's turned to this completely different asshole. Like, like, I feel like I'd be more concerned. And then we see her kind of spying on him. And I was like, oh, okay, good for her. She's, she's on to it. She yeah. knows something's fucked up here. She's not in distress. But, 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then that damn tarantula makes a return. I swear to God, that's the, it. Must be some of the one of the crew members' pets or something, because that tarantula looked like identical to the one from that was in two of the three stories of the uh, Tales of Terror. I'm glad I wasn't on set because it'd be under my shoe. <laughs> yeah, I just oh, actually, you know, I'm lying. I would fucking scream like a girl yeah. and run the exactly. other direction. That's hilarious. I love how much. Um, uh, Vincent Price hates snakes, yet he has to deal with it in like multiple movies. And they even uh, talk about, uh, I think it was Anne, uh, Deborah Paget that was talking in the uh, commentary track I was listening to a little bit of. She talks about how much he hated snakes. So it must have been a thing, but they still had to deal with them. And I thought that was just hilarious. That's probably Corman's like, you know, I got you again, buddy. (laughs) Right. Yep, exactly. So true. Oh, that scene when Kerwin is trying to ki- like forces Anne to kiss him. Oh, I thought it was disgusting. I was like, "Oh man, this is just dirty." Like, I don't want to. I don't want to oh, be a part of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. What was the what was the word he used? He used the word. Um, oh, uh, he wanted to use his husbandly prerogative. Yes. Yep. Exactly like, right. Yeah. He, that was uh, that was a little bit. Uh, that's when he actually rapey, like, tries dude. to rape her. Yeah, exactly. yes, it's like it's like it's like marital rape. Yeah, like she wanted nothing yeah, of. Well, first of all, he's got green skin, yeah. but she wanted <laughs> nothing of him, and he was forcing himself upon her because he's the bad guy mm-hmm. and he's gross. Yeah. Um, and it worked. It's skis. It's the first film where I see Price and I'm, like, I'm skeezed out. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Oh man, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, that was that was. Uh, Unexpected. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? But just yes, he he wants to use his husbandly prerogative. I know. Yeah, like, that was that was the exact term, and I was like, oh man, I gotta remember. That, that. is probably the most <laughs> nicest way to say, right? <laughs> you know, that I'm gonna force but. myself upon you with the with the mother tongue. Uh, oh God. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that skews me out. Yeah. Man. So I I had to write it down. Right, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. forget it. Exactly. I got to talk about this. That's so funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I like that Ezra's mutated child mur- ends up murdering him. I thought that was well-deserved because he treated him like shit and left him in a fucking like attic or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Um, but then it hit me after – because I'd, I'd already com- by this point complained the fact about the fact that just so much of the tension was lost for me once I realized that the townspeople were great-great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And then it really bugged me that – even more that Kerwin is going after these people because they're truly innocent of the crime that was committed against him. It's not their fault that their great, great grandparents 110 years ago made a, made a a poor choice. Like, I don't, it's just, why, why couldn't the villagers just have been damned to never die and deal with the mutated children? Because then this would have made so much more sense for me. It would have worked so much better. Yeah. But the way they go with it, it's just that bugged the hell out of me. Because I'm like, these aren't even yeah. the ones who did this to you. It is a little funny that jo- uh, Kern would be so petty to, mm-hmm. when it comes to revenge. But I guess right. if you are stewing for 110 years, waiting yeah. for a chance for revenge, I'd probably take it too. Even mm-hmm. if it's not the guy who did it to me, I'm doing it to <laughs> his family. Oh, man. So, in a way, I, I can understand it. He was kind of childlike about it. And I mm-hmm. expected all five of them to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he, when he, right. when he stopped, when he did, um, I was surprised because I expected more deaths. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's so the rape scene really hit, really hit me that there's really only one person that I wanted to root for in this entire film, and that was Anne. Because almost everyone else, except maybe the doctor. The doctor too. Maybe Anne and the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone else was a kind of a, a piece of shit in their own little way. Well. Whether it was, you know, killing people that, you know, whose ancestors hurt you or um, the uh, uh, treating your family like shit because they're mutated, yeah. whatever the case is. like. Well, I, I think the guy, uh, the actor, uh, Alicia Cook Jr., who played Peter and Mika Smith. Um, he's the one who had the the uh, I guess the burnt oh, the hand. hand. Um, I kind of yeah. felt bad for him, but he was also a bit of a coward. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he was really shaken up when when uh, Ward showed up, but uh, I kind of felt bad for that guy as well because he wasn't looking to inflict any mob mentality violence on Ward. He just kind of wanted right. to keep it away, but was it was uh, Whedon that was really pushing for a for a mob to to form. And it's only after he dies that uh, I think it's Jacob West that starts it up here. I'm just looking at his picture, and that does not help me whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> I know. You just got to go with picture. Yeah. But I think that's probably right because he's credited right under him, and it would make sense. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming like it's it's his character that really gets uh, the tongue going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. I, I, thought- I, think, uh, I think the doctor really is the only – Again, rational man, and yeah, I didn't want any harm to come upon him. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Deborah Deborah was uh, Deborah, I can't pag it pag uh, it whatever. Pa- I thought she was really excellent. Yeah, I thought so too. Jay, that's right. And uh, she's actually from um, the last the last one we watched. She was in the third tale of Tales of Terror, not the not the Raven, but the one before that. She was in the third episode of Tales of Terror. I thought she was great there too. Was that her? But yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what awesome. What the hell was that one? It was like the case of M something. Yeah, like something. Salamander or Salamander. Val- Valdemar. Valdemar. I knew, I knew. <laughs> I knew it sounded like a, a lizard, but it wasn't. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. So I think she's just a great actress. But yeah. No, no, I did. I, I thought, you know, with all the the actors in this film that are, were really decent, she had, you know, like she kept up with them, you know, like she had her chops and she had her moments and I thought she was really decent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought that the chase, or not the chase, the search scene where um, the doctor and Anne were searching for Charles, I thought yep. that went on a way, a bit too long. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of hit me that I felt like the pacing was just off in this one. Um, where the other ones like generally flew by, I really felt the runtime here. And it okay. really hit me in that in that moment, I guess. Yeah, I can see it, but at the same time, the way I understood it is that like they're searching a lot because they're getting mm-hmm. deep within the walls of the castle, you know, yeah. from secret yeah. passageway to secret door to like they're getting really into the guts of the castle mm-hmm. that isn't easily found, you know. Um, but you're right; it, it did seem that they were searching for a longer than we needed to see. Yeah. So then, you know, we're we're kind of coming to the end here. And um, as I was going through, I, wrote, I was like, wait, what the fuck was floating in that liquid when the doctor looked down there? Like, it looked like a body. And then, of course, it's it turns out to be a, a demon of some sort, right? Like a creature or yeah, something. Yeah, to me, it's an elder god. So is it Cthulhu? Okay. I don't know. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the special effects weren't that great. Uh, yeah, exactly. The budget, exactly. The budget really, I guess. Well, the thing right. is, you're filming these movies in like 14 days, right? Uh, I guess time and money wasn't there fully, so it's just right. a 
stock photo. Like it's it's a single picture that keeps like where like the ripples of the water, whatever it is, kind of yeah, just, moving it, yeah, <laughs> just, just smudges it. You know, so you can't really right. You can see something, but you don't know exactly what you're seeing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, just truly impressed by the doctor. Um, you know, not only was he not trying to fuck Anne, he actually goes back in after this place is burning down to try to save Charles. Like, what a genuinely brave person. I was like, good for yeah, him. He's good for him. He's the film's hero. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he really is. But I thought the fire was really impressive. Like the the special effect that was not really special effect, I'm sure it's practical mm-hmm. effects, but of the fire, I thought was was really good. Um, it reminded me of maybe the first one where it was like, damn, like this looks dangerous for these actors. Yeah. Like it just looked really good. Yeah, no, uh, but, the fire at the beginning, the fire at the end. Yeah, yep, Corman's exactly. a bit of a pyro. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, you know, and and I thought it was a really interesting and, and cool way to end. It was very ominous, you know. Um, I so I like that, but I also was like, damn, we don't get a fulfilling ending, which is different than most of these. Um, but you know, it kind of like they're fucked because oh, oh, yeah. you know, Kerwin's Kerwin back. is not dead by by the exactly. tinge of his skin. He is not dead. Yeah, and it is kind of cool. Right. Like by the end, before the final, like you know, fire, um, he was pretty green himself. Like they had. Turn fully, yeah. Especially yeah. Uh, uh, Simon, the uh, I guess their groundskeeper. He got mm-hmm. really purple. Oh, purple! He got really green and yeah. he was spooky. You know, yeah. like I would he was like you. he's been dead. He's mm-hmm. not him. Like yeah, something's sticking over the body. Like it's really exactly. spooky. <laughs> Very cool. So, any other um, like tidbits that you learned from the commentary, or any any other research that you would, didn't oh, get to talk shit. about? Not so much research, but just on the commentary track. Yeah. So I listen. So there's two commentary tracks on the disc. Mm-hmm. I listened to one with Lucy Chase Williams and Richard Heft. So Lucy Chase Williams. These are more of um, an audio essay. That's what they call them. Um, so Lucy Williams is the author of the complete films of Vincent Price. So she's the Price historian, and then Richard oh, Heft. Okay. And then Richard Heft had a um, piece on uh, Lovecraft. Um, but again, like the film is 82 minutes, you said, uh, by the 40 minute mark, the, uh, commentary track was over. So again, (laughs) in a way it kind of sucks. Um, I like listening to a commentary track that's going with the film and with Mm -hmm. this, not so much. Um, but I'm just going to skip the stuff we've already talked about here. Um, a big snafu at the beginning of the film with the title card saying, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's, uh, The Haunted Palace. They misspelled Alan in uh, uh, Poe's name with the oh, did they? instead of an A. So that was that was shitty. Huh. Um, uh, That's interesting. I, yeah, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't notice it either. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. So with uh, with Charles Beaumont, apparently it took a year to get the script approved because wow. I guess they had issues. The way he wrote was very descriptive, and they had issues with the descriptors on Joseph Curran's uh, death. And all the other fire deaths in the film. Um, I guess the censors thought it'd be too much that we wouldn't be able to handle it. Uh, but eventually, uh, they changed some words around. And after a year, they were able to film the fires, even though they were told not to, and keep it in the film. <laughs> That's surprising that it took that long. Because you think of these, you think of like, you know, quick and dirty. Yeah, right? Yeah, apparently not. Um, apparently, uh, Ray Mallard, uh, or Mallard, the, the guy who was in um, The Premature Burial, 
yeah. he was first announced to be the lead of the film, but it went to Price. Oh, wow. And apparently Boris Karloff was uh, announced as the role as a servant, but it went to Lon Chaney instead. Huh. Um, and That's interesting. Yeah. This film is Deborah Paget's last film. Uh, apparently, after production, she got married and she quit business. I was wondering because I was looking at it. I was like, man, she like acted until she was about like 30, mid, maybe early, mid-30s. And then she just stopped. And I was like, maybe she died? But no, it looked like she was yeah, no, alive for quite a while. She's still alive. Uh, I, was say, I think she's still alive, actually. Yeah. Yeah. She's born in 33. She's still kicking. So good for her. Um, now, right. she did do a TV show, Burke's Loft, like 63 to 65. Mm-hmm. But this was her last the- uh, theatrical uh, release. Again, uh, because she decided to uh, get married and just leave the business. Yeah. Um so let's talk uh let's talk uh salaries here. So, oh, okay. So what do you think Price got for his role in The Haunted Palace? Oh man. So this is fucking 63 in 63. Yeah. I'm a man, I don't I'm so bad with this shit, but I'm going to say uh 20,000. Okay. Uh no. Um <laughs> <laughs> So Price okay, got no. 60,000. Oh wow! But then uh, Paget only got seventy five hundred. Really? Yeah. Cheney thirty one fifty. Uh, Frank Maxwell, the uh, the doctor, twelve hundred dollars. Whoa! So yeah, so price price obviously got the biggest chunk of change here. Um, so that's kind of yeah. Uh, I was surprised that so- there was such a discrepancy in. Uh, yeah. In salaries, but he was a star. That's shocking. Yeah. So that means Price got over half a million dollars in today's money. Oh, easy. For that. Easy by far. Yeah. Um, the Haunted Palace had a huge theatrical run um, because they delayed or they staggered the release of the film. So some movie theaters didn't get the film till almost a year after it was actually released. Uh, because, oh, wow. Yeah. And then after that, it got bumped to second billing to other movies doing double features. Mm-hmm. So okay. this film was actually in theaters for almost four years. Holy shit. Yeah. Top grocer in 63 and had great reviews. Um, That's crazy because you know, I was just thinking about the movie, the new Flatliners. Yeah. I'd forgotten about it. And I was like, oh shit. Like I really wanted to see that because it has the hottie from Vampire oh, Diaries, uh, Nina Dobra. That's out. That's right. Yeah. And it's in theaters. But then I was looking, I was like, you know, I was going through my movie pass app mm-hmm. and I don't see it in there. Like, I think it's already out of theaters around me. I'm yeah. like, holy shit. That was only there for like, what? Was it even a month? Like, oh, man, it didn't last long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I completely missed it. I completely mm-hmm. forgot about it. I'll catch it on. Yeah, me too. Because I, I like the original well enough because it was – I think it was Ash that gave it to me as a best in the backlog film. Um, it was pretty good. And so I just – I love the cast of the new one. So I really want to see it. Yeah. Well, I also like uh, Ellen Page a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I love Ellen Page. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's all for uh, Miss Williams. Then it went, went to uh, Richard Heft who was the Lovecraft expert. Uh, by this time, my handwriting gets really sloppy. <laughs> um, so for the original short story – of the uh oh, fuck what was the story called the this the case good. of fuck I see. the Charles, case yeah the case of Charles uh, Dexter Ward right yes so apparently uh, he had wrote the story for uh, a long time ago never had it published because uh, he thought the story was too dull to be published oh and was only published after his death when somebody found the manuscript oh no shit yeah wow. um 
I'm trying to read here really quickly. And I can't really read my writing anymore. It's gotten scribbled. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all that's interesting. But uh, I'm sure there's something I missed, but I can't read my writing. So if anybody wants to donate a MacBook so that I can write <laughs> notes while I'm watching movies, oh, uh, just contact inefficient. That's right. But uh, that's pretty oh, much yes. it for my notes. Awesome. Well, cool. So let's get your final thoughts and your star rating for The Haunted Palace. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed The Haunted Palace because it was a departure of all the other pole films in the cycle so far. Um, and for me, uh, not that I was ever bored with the other films, but it this one kept my interest the whole time because... I love the idea of Lovecraft's stories, but I find his writing so dry sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I think with Charles Dexter Ward, if I remember correctly from the notes that I couldn't read, I think the book is like <laughs> 128 pages and the first line of dialogue is like in the 40s. I think it's page 42. Um, so he's very descriptive, wow. but he doesn't write dialogue well, and which is the reason why... Um, some of his uh, stories are hard to adapt, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I love this. Um, I thought, again, not expecting what I saw, scary. Um, the, again, special effects do look a little hokey to today's standards. But the idea of a girl having, uh, you know, her eyes covered in skin scares yeah. me. You know, one of the reasons why I don't want to get laser eye surgery and get rid of my glasses is because I don't want to lose my eyesight. Um, so it, it really, it really hit me. Uh, so, but the special effects were kind of hokey. Um, the monster at the end, this little, you know, I was kind of like wincing a bit so that, you know, it didn't look as bad as it did on the big screen. Um, right. But, but I really liked the film a lot. I thought Price was fantastic. I thought Paget was great. Um, Really, the whole cast is awesome. Um, so, yeah, I give it a full four to four stars. Even with its uh, with its minor discrepancies, um, I can look past it. And I just, I sat down. I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, thoroughly entertained. Um, yeah, give it four out of four. Awesome. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah, so... The Haunted Palace, it, it just, it has so much potential to be the best film in this entire cycle for me. But a few, what I thought were poor writing choices and a slower pace that really started to get to me by the end, they, it places this right in the middle of the pack for me instead. Um, I would argue that this film does have the strongest horror aspects of all the films so far, and I fucking love that about it. It's genuinely creepy at points, and I especially love the mutated children that we talked about. I just wish more was done with both aspects of it. Um, I can't help but wonder, what if Matheson would have written this script instead of Beaumont? You know, would he have been able to take this script to the height that it was capable of? Obviously, that's something we'll never know, but, you know, it's, it's a question I have to ask. Um, it made no sense to me that Simon, played really well by Lon Chaney, and the other friend are able to stick around 110 years later, but they're unable to justify keeping the villagers the same age. And that, frankly, was when the film lost me. Um, it's one thing to, you know, that one person bears the striking resemblance to a great-great-grandfather, but literally an entire village? That's just much harder to buy into, and I just wasn't able to very well. So Haunted Palace, it, it had a ton of potential, and it really sets up for a stark and creepy horror film. 
but it ultimately fell apart as the script went on for me and eventually it just lost me. So I'm giving The Haunted Palace two out of four stars. So a bit of a differing opinion there and that's that's always fun. That's always fine. So awesome. So next week we uh, move over to which one? The Mask of the Red Death from 1964 Ooh, okay. is next up. So excellent. But before we finish for the evening, let's move over to the round 40 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. This, of course, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast where they then give a quick review. So to recap, I am talking about Pumpkinhead 2 Blood Wings from 1993. And Mark, we uh, initially were going to talk about Cairo, uh, yeah. the, pul- the original Pulse film, but we actually switched that out because of, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it just uh, that disc wouldn't work for you. Mm-hmm. So, which remind me again? I keep forgetting what the hell the name of the movie is that I gave you. <laughs> Easter something. Son of a bitch. Uh, Easter Casket <laughs> from 2013. Easter Casket. Wow. And I don't know why I call you a son of a bitch. I'm the one who bought this, so. You know. <laughs> Oh man. Excellent. So let's let's hear about your second bunny film in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I've uh <laughs> I'm gonna probably watch some Looney Tunes after this. Um so <laughs> Easter Casket. Uh looking at the cover, the tagline for the film is It's gonna be a bad hair day. H A R E. Yes. Um, if you quote on the cover of the DVD, um, yeah. I fucking quit the Pope. <laughs> Needs more boy ass, the Catholic Church. So <laughs> I think you kind of get what kind of film this is going to be. Um, right. Yeah. It's an unrated direct or independent um, movie where a sect of the Catholic Church wants to abolish. Easter, at Easter, and it should be only about Jesus rising back from the grave and not about the bunny and chocolate and and springtime. But apparently Mm -hmm. this bunny is actually a, I don't have notes on this, but the bunny is actually (laughs) a, um, an angel cast from God. It's a demon, kind of like Satan. And for some okay. reason, hates the word demon. It's like a derogatory term for him. He, when somebody calls him <laughs> demon, he kills him. Um, but his name in the film is Peter Cottontail, and it's a, a bunny puppet. And he goes on to uh, kill clergy and nuns in graphic ways. Um, okay. The film actually has some okay um, acting in it. Now, this is from the same company that did Zombie A-Hole that I reviewed. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if it's earlier this year or late last year. I think it's this year. And stars a lot of the same people. Um, Josh Al, uh, E-A-L, he plays Father Asher, who's like a warrior priest where his cross become transforms into like armor, <laughs> like like anime <laughs> cyber armor. And he's got like a machine gun and swords and yeah. Um, again, he's actually quite fun to watch and like his previous role in zombie a-hole, um, he has delivery of a, um, uh, what's his name? 
uh, uh, Bam Margera. Oh, he he's like Bam, like he acts like Bam Margera. That's now, weird. if that's intentional or not, I don't know. Hmm. Um, now, as for the nudity, because I know you were asking me with your eyes about the nudity in this film, <laughs> uh, there is a lot of nudity in this film, and oh, like okay. full frontal, baby, all like right. vagine and everything. Yeah, so I was right. like, heck yeah, I give myself a high five. Mm-hmm. Then I give myself a low five. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh but seriously, folks. I only give myself the low five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, a lot of full frontal. Um, some of it is good. Some of it not so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about this movie. It's, <laughs> there's a character in the movie. Well, okay, there's a part when uh, Father Asher, Josh Al, he goes, uh, oh, the Pope wants to talk to you. He goes like, I'm not talking to that Pope. He's not the Pope. He goes, no, 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 the other Pope. Oh, Mega Pope, who's this <laughs> glowing, floating head? <laughs> oh my god, it's fucking dumb. But at the same time, I, you know, the 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 runtime is eighty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it could probably be trimmed down to seventy, and it'd be a a bit of a better film. There's some silly scenes in it, like a priest with a black dildo, nun finds a dildo uh, under bed sheets, and then the they proceed to fuck each other, you know? Oh, um, and I think the whole film was filmed in a hotel because oh, wow. most of the scenes are in various hotel rooms, which <laughs> might be a dormitory. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so filmed on the absolute cheap, still kind of fun. Uh, Peter Contentel is dumb. Um, there is a character. Um, I'm trying to find out who it is. Uh, Cardinal O'Malley. Uh, the actor is Brandon uh, Selkill. He has a pretty good monologue and seems to have a lot of fun with his role. So this is cheap indie bare bones, you know, entertainment. But it was actually not that bad. Um, oh, good. So yeah. So we're, we're is it great? Two. Do I ask you to go and seek it out? No, I've actually even reviewed it in Letterboxd. Um, out of four stars. I'm going to give this a one and a half. Okay. Um, because I think from, because of the full frontal. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, I own it. Uh, so yay. Um, yeah, I don't know much to say about this. It's, no, that's it, great. It's, yeah. It's, yeah I, I, I get drunk at Cinema Wasteland. I peruse the tables. <laughs> I have a lot of U.S. money that I don't want to return back to Canada with. So I buy <laughs> Um, I believe I've got another one from the same company called Heart Atta- or Heart Tentacle or something like that. So I'll probably oh I'll probably do that sooner than later. Um, yeah, but actually, uh, there's there's one Maybe. actress, Erin uh, R. Ryan, um, mm-hmm. cute, and okay, uh, she gets naked and it's kind of hot. So I enjoy That's that. Awesome. Yeah, there's commentary Good. in this film. I might watch it with commentary just to just for shits and giggles. Again, mm-hmm. you know what? Fuck it. I said one and a half. I'm gonna give it two stars. <laughs> two oh, stars. Final answer. Good. Two stars. Excellente. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Do you have any other Easter or bunny related movies in your collection so I can pick I, that for you for next week? You'll have to look at my list. <laughs> I am not going to. Uh, I'm not going to provide any uh, right. any uh, ammo. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm glad you you enjoyed both of them at least. So. <laughs> yeah 
All right. So I did uh, Pumpkinhead 2, Bloodwing. So I'm sure the reason I own Pumpkinhead 2 is pretty obvious. It's a Blu-ray, Blu-ray release from Scream Factory. Um, they also did a collector's edition of the first Pumpkinhead, which I own as well. But I hadn't watched either of them before getting assigned this one for the challenge. So just like last week, I had to do some homework before I could actually do some homework and watch the movie that was picked for me. So real quickly, the original Pumpkinhead, I thought it was a pretty solid film. Um, it's definitely a bit slow, especially in the middle. Um, but still, the special effects work really holds up well today, nearly 30 years later, which is crazy. Um, Lance Henriksen stars in the first one, and he does a fantastic job, I thought, uh, just as you'd expect. I'd recommend, um, you know, I'd recommend this one for Henriksen's fans uh, in particular, and those that really love old practical effects from the late 1980s, uh, which I imagine will be most of our listeners if they're anything like us. So mm-hmm. um, I ended up giving it two and a half out of four stars. So Pumpkinhead 2 uh, presumably takes place after the events of the original, but frankly, the whole thing could be looked at as more of a remake or a reboot, really, instead of a sequel, if you wanted to look at it that way, because I wasn't really able to tie it into the first film much at all. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and I'd love for you or our listeners to correct me if I am, but I just didn't see it. So anyway, Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings. It's about this uh, group of teens who somehow resurrect a demon, a demon who is Pumpkinhead, um, who is then sent after them as like revenge for hurting its mother. Basically, um, there are a couple similarities between Bloodwings and the first film. So both get us to the action by running someone over with a motor vehicle, and both films feature someone doing something horrible. And then turning on their friends who want to go to the authorities about it, which are two important incidents in the film, uh, in both <laughs> films, actually. So that's why I feel like it, it, that's why I say it feels more like a reboot than a sequel. But the big difference between this one and the original is that Pumpkinhead is humanized here. And as a result, he garners, garners some sympathy from the viewer, at least in my eyes, he did. Um, you know, I like the fact that he, that here, Pumpkinhead, he's a vengeful demon. Because it makes him more interesting than just this demon, you know? Um, the story itself isn't incredible incredible by any stretch, but it stays interesting the entire time and has a better pace than the first movie. The real shining star of both of these films, though, has to be the special effects work, um, as I already mentioned about the first film. The two films don't share the same makeup effects artist, as far as I could tell, but the creature looks just as good, if not better, the second time out. The movement, it just feels more fluid and realistic in the second film, which I really liked. But frankly, the creature is a strong enough reason to justify watching either of these films. And the rest of it is just kind of the gravy on top. And uh, Blood Wings also features a couple cameos from Kane Hodder and Linnea Quigley, which is always fun to see. So, you know, I had fun with this one. Even if these aren't the start of a classic horror series, they're still worth watching. So I'm giving Pumpkinhead to Blood Wings. Two and a half out of four stars. Nice. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this one? You've seen this one or no? Not in a long time. So okay. I, I do have the Scream Factory disc as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping once I finish my challenge, I'll be able to watch right. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I remember liking it for what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, Sally exactly. Moon Fry, which, you know, she captivates my heart. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I remember liking it. Cool. Very good. So... Looking ahead to next week. Yeah. So this is on your list, but I 
am not sure if you watched it or not. So let's let's hope you haven't, so I don't have to search for others. Okay. So I will pick for you. Yeah. 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I have not seen it. Oh, good. I've given this one to Ash probably a year plus ago. It is, to hype it up, it is one of my favorite films of all time. So I'm very interested to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's my buddy Ray's uh, favorite film. And uh, I've been meaning to watch it for, fuck, a decade. (laughs) I still haven't. So I will gladly Um, watch it. I'm glad. I'm glad you will. Um, I was going to pick this one for you last week, but then I was like, no, we got to stick to horror because we have such a quick turnaround. So I was able to uh, stick this in my back pocket for this week. So Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. So with that said, what the fuck do I get to watch? I don't think I have any bunny movies. Well, I mentioned already, uh, you're going to have to watch your green room and then praise it next episode Mm. because it is that good. Okay. Excellent. Green Room from 2015. Good. I've heard uh, some crazy things about it, and so I'm excited to finally watch it. So to recap, I will be watching 2015's Green Room for next week, and Mark, you'll be watching 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. Should be a fun week. Hell I yes. think so. All right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. So remember, we are going to be back next week, next Friday, November 10th, with a review of 1964's The Mask of the Red Death, which is available on the Vincent Price Collection 1, the first one. So make sure you check that one out before next week. And as Mm -hmm. always, if you have any questions for us here at the show, definitely hit us up on Twitter using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust. And uh, we do our best to answer every question that comes uh, tossed our way. So definitely hit us up on Twitter at Cinefessions using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, just give us a call at one. 302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com for any of those questions you might have for us. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us that review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever, wherever else it is that you're listening to us. Those positive reviews help us reach a larger audience. So we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review and we appreciate you telling your friends about us. And a reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We'd love to interact with you guys there. You can find us on Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so make sure you're following along on all of those. And Mark, remind our listeners where else we can find you online. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Nadeau, uh, M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U, and on Instagram at mnadeau 2 Fantastic. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1, that's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1, and I am also on Letterboxd at that same name. All right. Good time as always, Mark. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 110 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 